Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Mind Shifters Radio with the Forgiveness Doctor, Dr. Michael Rice. I'm Jeannie Rice, your co-host. We also have co-hosts Dr. Tim Hayes and Michelle Pichet. We will share with you the wisdom of the first century Aramaic internal process of forgiveness. We offer tools and support five days a week. We will support you in building a solid foundation within yourself to live in pure love in Aramaic, Brachna. Michael is the author of the book, Why Is This Happening to Me Again? For more information about the forgiveness process, please visit www.whyagain.org. And now, welcome to the show, Mindshifters Radio. Hi, and welcome to the show. Today is Tuesday, December the 27th, 2022, and Dr. Tim is off all week, and so he's got pre-recorded shows where he has worked through his own process. Yesterday was a phenomenal show. Uh, Today is a replay from March the 14th, 2019, so enjoy the show, and Michael and I'll be live during the second hour. Hi, and welcome to Mind Shifters Radio. I'm your host, Tim Hayes, for the first hour today. Michael and Jeannie Rice will be here for the second hour, beginning at noon central time. Today is Thursday, March 14th, 2019. I'm uh, privileged to be here, and I thank you all for being here, whether you're on the show live on the switchboard now, or you're listening to your computer, or... You're catching the show on the archives. We appreciate everybody who donates their time to this project. The project is helping me make my life a better life, helping you make your life a better life, learning tools and then practicing and gaining in support and practicing so that I can apply tools to improve the quality of my life one application of a tool at a time, one worksheet at a time, one breath session at a time, one targeted journaling session at a time. Every time I pick up a tool and apply it to my life, triggered by the fact that I was not feeling total peace, total calm, total compassion, totally loving energy, every time I apply a tool, I gain benefit. It isn't always a powerful, dramatic benefit. Sometimes it's just a subtle shift in my energy. Sometimes it's quite a powerful shift in my energy. Sometimes that powerful shift in my energy is accompanied by a dramatic insight. We are here to make available to people and teach people the use of tools Available at www.whyagain.org, whyagain.org. And if you go to that page and click on either the Start Here button or the red and white bullseye, it'll take you to a page where you can have access to some of the most powerful, effective, and efficient tools I've learned in my 44 and a half years of doing therapy 
that can help you transform your relationships. By way of example, I started talking yesterday about how Tuesday was a very full day. I, 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 my term for it is blessedly busy. And in the middle of the day Tuesday, I had some things happen that resonated very strong energies in me. And there was something about the interpretation I threw on these events and what it resonated in me that left me with a sick feeling in the pit of my stomach and a very powerful pattern of recurring negative thoughts that was quite distracting. I had to put quite a bit of mental energy to the task of staying focused for the rest of the day all the way through Tuesday afternoon, Tuesday evening support group. I did a little bit of work after the support group. I talked a little bit about it. I had a little bit of shift by the time we did the Internet show yesterday. Yesterday was another very full day, lots of powerful sessions, and so my work was postponed until after I got home. And I got home last night, and I still had a very heavy, very sick feeling in my stomach, right at the edge of nausea. And I've had access to these tools long enough to know that unless I pick up the tools and use them, that energy will either continue as a major distraction and a discomfort at a conscious level, or I'll find a way to bury it at an unconscious level and it will continue to be a disruption for me. So I pulled out the app, which is one of the tools that's available for free. If you go to your app store or the Google Play store and you type in Heartland Aramaic Forgiveness, H-E-A-R-T-L-A-N-D, Aramaic, A-R-A-M-A-I-C, forgiveness. You can download an app completely free and completely private that will let you do what I did. And so <clears throat> I opened up the app as soon as I got into bed and I said, I'm going to fill out these blanks and I'm going to keep my breath moving and I'm going to accept the shifts in energy Perhaps the discomfort gets even worse. We had somebody call yesterday and said, yeah, I did a worksheet and I'm even more mad than when I started. And I say, well, that's probably an indication of a success because it's probably removed some barriers to me seeing some of my deeper pain that I wasn't even aware was there when I started the worksheet process. So I did a worksheet, and it resulted in a shift, not a dramatic shift, but a little bit more comfort, and I was able to get to sleep. And then I was awake at 1.30 in the morning thinking rather obsessively about the thoughts that were there when I awoke and about the events of Tuesday afternoon. I picked up the phone, put on my glasses, and filled out another worksheet. In this case, I only got, I mean, there are seven steps in the worksheet process. And in this case, I got 
into the second step and the tears came and and a powerful image came to my mind of an event that happened a full oh let's say um 47 years ago a powerful event that happened uh, maybe only 45 years ago So I kept my breath moving. I let the tears come before I went on to the rest of the worksheet. And I noticed by the time I'd finished the entire worksheet that the sick feeling, the very heavy feeling in my stomach was down to about oh, a fourth or a tenth, whatever. I don't know how to judge those things. But it was nowhere near as intense. And so I stayed awake for long enough to do another worksheet and do a little bit of journaling and I got back to sleep and I woke up this morning with the thoughts coming out of a dream that were directly related to the worksheet and so I made note about it before I got out of bed and then I carved out the time when I got to work to do a half an hour or 45 minutes of writing came out in, in, in the turbulence of thoughts and flooding and emotions and connecting it to an event 40-some years ago. That's why we do this work. Right now, as I sit here, I have energy moving, but there's no nausea in my stomach. There's no sick feeling in the pit of my stomach. There's no heavy weight in my chest or my stomach. And yet nothing has changed about what happened on Tuesday that was the impetus for me to choose the interpretation that was connected to all of that upsetting energy in me, all of those intense negative emotions, etc. We offer this tool for free. Michael and Jeannie Rice have put together a web page that's got more powerful, useful stuff on it and interesting stuff than you'll probably get to in the next 10 years if you dig in start right now. And the vast majority of it's free. We encourage people, if you get benefit from this work, to donate to Michael and Jeannie because while they've made a commitment to make these tools available to every mind, heart, and being on the planet, even if those people don't have the money to pay for it, Michael and Jeannie haven't figured out how to do it for free. So it's costing them money to host this Internet show. It's costing them money to build the app. All right. So the area code is 563-999-3581. And if you press 1, I'll click your number and uh, and it will be in the air. <laughs> So uh, if nobody raises a hand, I'm going to have to go right back to the processing. I'd made some notes in the middle of the night that uh, I would say, okay, we're going to take you on a journey. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share the experience to the best of my ability to kind of draw this roadmap for how this happened for me. I have made this 
commitment to what to give to commit to put a tremendous amount of time and finances and effort into a project and the goal of the project is of a bigger scope than any project I've taken on in my life before and the point of it is to to create a broader awareness of these tools what Michael and Jeannie have made available on their website the power of these tools the accessibility of these tools, the efficiency of these tools to help me change my negative emotions, to use them as a warning signal, to improve the quality of my life, to improve the quality of my relationships. And I've been building into that until last summer when it it dawned on me that what I had been doing to make that happen just wasn't producing results. So I invested a significant amount of money to engage a mentor, coach, guide, expert, what have you. And on Tuesday, in the middle of the afternoon, right between two sessions with patients, it was revealed to me without beyond any shadow of a doubt that this person cannot do for me what we had planned for him to do for me. And that basically, as the line from Blazing Saddles says, the minister says says to the new sheriff, son, you're on your own. <laughs> And in the moment where that became obvious to me, I felt this heavy weight and sick feeling in the pit of my stomach. So I gratefully, after after years of working with tools like this and having my own therapy and all kinds of other things, I had the ability to step back with my conscious logical mind and gently ask myself, how am I doing this? And put it on hold and refuse to act from that, refuse to panic. As I said yesterday, um, if I hadn't had these tools, the sensations in my body, the sick feeling in my stomach were so intense that I probably 20 years ago would have gone to a doctor or an emergency room. But I, I know better than that. I, I, and I, I was able to have enough of my mental awareness observing that, oh, this really unexpected thing just happened and reveals to you something very important. And then instantaneously with that, here comes a sick feeling in the pit of your stomach. So, so as I said, when I got to, I got through the day yesterday knowing, feeling that heavy, sick feeling. And I managed to use the breath work that I teach people and use my knowledge of the acupuncture meridians to do a little bit of tapping and finger rubbing and breathing between sessions. And I got through the the day, and that sick feeling was still there. 
So when I got home, I filled out a worksheet. And so here's what the worksheet looked like. I filled it out on the app, which I'm very grateful for. This, the ready accessibility, I can do this laying on my back in the bed. I don't have to have the pen or the paper. I, you know, I can't tell you how many times I've had my pen go through the, the paper on a worksheet when I'm trying to do them in bed, sitting up on an elbow. So it's very, very convenient for me to have this on my phone. So thank you again, Jeannie Rice. Again, you can go to your app store and type in the words Heartland Aramaic Forgiveness and download it for free. So here's the worksheet. The premise of this worksheet is my essential nature as a human life, my very being is the energy of creation, the energy of love. The goal of this internal forgiveness wake-up sheet is to empower me to remove fear and any hostility so that I can return my awareness to the direct experience of my true nature as this energy of creation. 24 hours a day, seven days a week, all year long. And then number 1A says, I, Tim, who am this energy of love, am experiencing, and I wrote, sick feeling in my stomach, it feels like fear. Use a separate worksheet for each emotion. Remember that hostility and fear always tell me my mind is off the mark. It comes from corrupt data. And then I name the topic of my uh, uh, of attention, the focus of my attention. So the focus of my attention was this person that I wanted to be my mentor. And what I wrote happened is he blew it on the coaching call. So I took a breath and I coached on, by the worksheet to remember that if he's the one with the problem, why am I the one with the pain? So I did another breath and I read how it. the app tells me the truth is only my thoughts cause my emotional upset. So I took another breath and I filled in the thought that came to mind that's associated with my fear and that not in my stomach. The thought I came up with was I have to start all over with my project. Then I took a breath and looked at the punishment thoughts. The punishment thought was I want to punish the mentor by letting everybody know that he's no good, telling people. And I'm punishing myself by generating this feeling of panic. So then I took another breath, and the worksheet on the app reminds me to release and surrender the sick feeling in my stomach and the thoughts about the coaching call and my need to punish somebody by telling people and my need to punish myself by generating panic. And then it says, it coaches me to cancel my need to be right and cancel my need to make up another story out of these brain cells about my past experiences and my thoughts about them to try and prove to me, to hallucinate the proof that my fear and hostility-based reality is true. And then it's, it asks me to choose to love truth and willingly face and process out all of the disease-producing energies for and from all of my relations and all my generations. And then it asks me if I'm willing to go through the physical, mental, and emotional symptoms of healing. And at this point, I thought, yeah, this sick feeling could get even worse, or I could get 
actually nauseous and have to throw up. I could get a headache. One of the last times I did a powerful worksheet like this, it generated the energy moving through me, generated the pain I, I would have labeled a migraine. So I said, yes, I'm willing to go through that. And then number five says, when I'm upset, my perception's built out of corrupt data. And the thing that drives my mind to use that particular data is my goal for this mentor to be powerful, to be a powerful, positive agent for change in my life. This perception is a limiting picture constructed at a maximum of nine bits of data during the period of time at least 10,000 brain cells are firing in my brain and probably 20 trillion bits of data are hitting my senses. So it's an extraordinarily tiny fragment of the truth of what is. So by canceling my goal, my replicate mind's reality collapses and gives me a direct contact with the denied, dissociated, and projected parts of my carbon-based memory. The carbon-based memory simply means the brain in my head that functions like a computer hard drive. It can only receive the things I type in and spit them back out. That part of my mind is frequently projecting and blaming others for its content. So while I hold love, conscious, active, and present in my mind, I now choose to collapse my mind's lies by willingly canceling my goal for my mentor to be a powerful, positive agent for change in my life. And then it goes on to ask me to invite something other than my conscious, logical mind to assist me. And I chose here the elemental force specific for humans that's there to break off the effects of my errors in thought and guide me to truth and happiness if I just ask it to. We all have this. We all have a connection to a higher intuition. In some of us, it's more or less developed than in others, and yet it's there for everybody. And it's possible to strengthen it wherever I am on my journey. So I ask that force, that elemental force, to restore me to my newborn essence of love, to incline me toward healing, to help me open a direct conscious relationship with and gently remove the denied and dissociated and the projected parts of my carbon-based memory. And I breathe and I tap into those loving thoughts that I mentioned earlier. And then I just gently repeated that I cancel my need to be right. I cancel my need for anyone or anything else to change. I specifically cancel my goal in this worksheet. I put my conscious logical mind aside. I refuse the temptation to try and figure it out and ask to be shown. And just I laid there and just watched what came up. And soon after the second, maybe third repetition of I cancel my need to be right, I got a very clear image of myself as a 14-year-old between high school or grade school and high school, maybe 15 years old, and I had agreed to repaint a very long white picket fence. And I was out in the summer heat while all my friends were away playing with a wire brush and a paint scraper at the impossible, eternally long, never-to-be-finished, completely ungrateful task of stripping thick white paint off of a long, did I mention it was long? Long white picket fence. The bottom line is 
when that memory came up, I had a little tear in my eye. I had a shudder of shame because I abandoned that job. I did not complete that job. And I never felt good about it. I never faced up to it directly. I never asked for help. I just, in in effect, ran away from that job, abandoned it. I said I would do something, and I didn't do it. The connection for me was instantaneous. This mentor told me he would do something. He didn't do it. So I breathed. I took a breath, scanned my body, and the, the worksheet asks me, what do I feel now? I felt calmer. And then I just wrote what I just told you, the memory of that upset. And then I gave myself permission to write a loving goal, which would be five more worksheets process on that lump in my in my stomach, on that sick feeling in my stomach. And I rolled over and went to bed. And about 1.30 in the morning, I was wide awake. So I pulled out the app again once I realized the sick feeling was still in my stomach. And I went through the very same thing. It's the same target. It's the same dynamic that happened. And time, it was um, confusion. So as I went through, this time when I canceled the goal, I mean, I, I, I didn't even get there. I got down to number two, where it says I willingly go through the physical, mental, and emotional symptoms of healing, and I had another powerful flash memory. And this one brought tears with it. I had to sit up because the tears were running into my ears. This one was a memory of my coming home from college, I wasn't even finished with college. It was at the very end of the school year. And the actual day of the end of college had passed, but I had two incompletes. And I, in that last week of college, I basically had a nervous breakdown. So physically I was okay, but every time I went to work on those two incompletes, the numbers on the page would swirl and I would get confused and I would look at the clock and realize I'd been sitting there for 30 or 40 minutes without doing anything. And it didn't matter how many times I tried. I was not able to get my mind to focus to complete those two projects. So I finally packed it up and went home. And what I thought I was going home to was my father, and my father had been this bright, shining light my entire life, a loving man, a, a, a great counselor of people, a, a good businessman, very bright, one of the smartest people I ever knew, steady as a rock. And so what better than to go home and say, Dad, I'm right here at the crux of, of leaving college and going into the adult world, and I've got this crisis I need some advice. Dad will know what to do. Go home and talk to Dad. And the memory that flooded into me was that when I got home, 
and I waited until Dad was alone outside, and I went outside to talk to Dad and laid out for him, or I was just trying to lay out for him. He was tending roses in his garden, and I was standing out there. It was a warm spring day. He was completely unable to tune into what I was saying. My dad, the man who raised me, was simply not there. And it was so confusing. It was such a shock to my system. I still remember. I I remember the image like it was yesterday. And later that night, I asked my mom, what's going on with my dad? And the bottom line is, my dad was in the middle of a raging, full-blown manic episode. So as I say that, my tears come up again. The man who raised me wasn't there. And this is a crisis. I needed help. I'm facing the decision of walking away from four years of college without a degree or trying to postpone it or put it on hold and go get the the credits I needed from another institution and have them mailed in. And the guy I'm going to for advice, the man who's always been there, is not there. The tears come up now. The tears came up then. I just sat up in bed, did a little crying, realized the fabulous connection between the emotions I downloaded then and the interpretation I placed on Tuesday's events. Here's one of the biggest projects I've ever undertaken. I'm hiring somebody, expecting him to be that bright shining light, the mentor who's been there before, who guides me through it, and he's just not there. He's not able to do for me what all of my expectations of him wanted him to do. So I let the tears come, and I did the breathing. The intensity of that emotion at 1.30 in the morning. I, I labeled it as an 8 to get it started. And by the end of the worksheet, it was only a 2. I felt more calm. And then I asked to be shown times when I have let people down or failed to be a powerful, positive change agent in, in other people's lives. And I threw that open to the universe, to light, love, Holy Spirit, to continually give me feedback about times when I might be shying away from a commitment to do what I said I would do, or I might be on on the cusp of letting somebody down. And then the loving goal that I put in place at the end of this worksheet was to do two more worksheets specifically on this memory with my father. And enough energy and that almost completely relieved the sick feeling in my stomach so that I could get some more sleep and this morning upon waking I did another because I woke up with the words I've lost my rudder And before that was finished coming out of my mouth, I've lost my rudder and my keel. 
And if anybody knows anything about boats, the rudder is what I steer with. But if I don't have a keel, if I don't have a center running board or a deep keel in my boat, the rudder is next to useless. So I woke up from some kind of a dream that had me sitting with the thought, I lost my rudder and my keel, that I'm basically just on the water, maybe the ocean, being blown by the wind. And so the thought I used to create this sadness was I can't do this without external guidance. I worked through the worksheet. The goal I had for myself in that worksheet Give me a moment while I dry some tears and get to see clearly again. The goal I set was for me to be able to trust my inner knowing. And when I went through the worksheet process again and did the breathing and reconnected with love and then asked to be shown from something outside my conscious logical mind what I became aware of. This wasn't a a flash of a big memory. There was no visual image associated with this one as there had been in the past two worksheets. But I became very clearly aware of the thought, I'm afraid that if I trust my inner guidance, I will lose connection to my parents. And... In my mind, it was very clear that when I was a child, when I would speak about things I saw, Kenny was just talking about an apparition. If I had had one of those and told my parents, it absolutely was intolerable for them. I know that my very loving, caring parents, both of them were very concrete in their thinking They were very action-oriented. They were very Western mind-oriented. And if I would have said, oh, I just saw Grandpa Hayes, who died when my father was six years old, it would have just freaked them out. If I said, oh, I, I I know what to do here, that would have freaked them out because I'm just a kid. How am I to know? So... In that worksheet, I felt calmer again. My upset went from an 8 down to a 4. It wasn't 2 or 1, so I knew I had more work to do. And I chose the loving goal to write a letter to my parents about giving up my internal knowing in order to stay connected to them. So I breathed and checked out my upset level and and got up extra early, got going directly and didn't do some of the things I would normally do in a day and came to work and decided to write and gave myself time to write. And I just started writing. Now my mom is still in the body but on her way out And my dad died in 1999, 20 years ago. So 
the benefit to me is what I've been trained to in this work is that it doesn't matter that my dad died 20 years ago. This isn't about my dad. This isn't about the interactions between me and my dad. This isn't about the choices my dad made. This isn't about my dad's manic depressive tendencies. This isn't about any action he ever took in his life. It's about the interpretation that I put on those events and the energies that I created and generated the more I poured thought into those events or those thoughts about um, those events and or, as in this case, how the interpretation I placed on that event was energetically connected to something. An event happened on Tuesday. In an instant, without even being consciously aware of it, I threw an interpretation on it, and it energetically resonated something that happened in 1976. And had enough energy resonating in me to give me the feeling that I had swallowed a basketball with rough edges. So my knowledge about how the system works, my active demonstration to myself for the past 15 plus years through the application of these tools gave me the experience that if I sat down and wrote a letter to my dad who's been gone for 20 years and my mother who's no longer able to process these kinds of things with me, I can shift energies in my system. And I did, and there's more writing to be done. I probably only wrote for 45 minutes, but I've got a couple pages, and the tears were flowing when I was writing, and I will continue that work. I will go back to the worksheets. I will continue writing whatever feels like it needs to be written to my parents. And I will continue to shift this energy. And that's my offering for today. That's why we teach these kinds of tools. That's how it isn't always Dr. Feelgood, and yet it's always moving me forward. It's always giving me a better chance to see the truth of what is, which is this is just life expressing. As so many of the great teachings tell us, all events are neutral. And they're neutral for me until I throw an interpretation on them. So I'm going to take a break and uh, throw down some water and ask if anybody has a question or a comment. 563-999. Three five eight one. Okay, well, here's hoping that we're actually out there in the airwaves. Here's someone with a hand up, area code 828. You're in the air. Hi, Dr. Tim. This is Magda from Missouri. And I just want to quickly say, because I have a feeling... Other people are going to call, too. Um, I'm so grateful that you shared your process in such detail. That is the biggest lesson for us listeners, for myself. I'll speak for myself. I just love it. And, um, and my, my heart is full of um, compassion for what you're going through 
and holding you in a space of love. So continue, and um, you're going to feel so great when you get to the other side of this. You know that because you're feeling better and better with each worksheet. So thank you again, Dr. Tim. Well, you're very welcome and deserving. Thank you for the call. I'll uh, mute myself and listen, okay? All right. All right. Well, we have probably 10 minutes left before we have to hand the, the reins over to Michael and Jeannie. Here's someone else, area code 770. You're in the air. Thank you. I am Linda in Georgia and very happy. I agree with Jeannie about what a gift it is for you to share your journey. And I have just recently uh, looked at a lot of YouTubes. Last night my friend referred me one that relate to these unconscious feelings. And they're saying, people, you need to clear these unconscious feelings as if it was an easy thing to do. And we, you are demonstrating and sharing with us that it isn't that easy and we need a way to do it, and you're sharing in Chicago and through these means the whole world how one can do it. And I really identified with what you said about poking the pen through the paper when you're trying to do it on your elbow on the bed. You are a good writer. You gave me a whole picture, and I go, wow, that's me too, and wow, I can do this too. So I'm just excited right now because I realize that the whole painful separation of wonderful, loving people hating other wonderful, loving people. And I'm standing here and looking at these silly little children and thinking that your plan is probably going to make a difference. And I'm curious how people could, how you could chunk down your big, big plan and delegate it to different groups or something i i guess i'm curious about your plan but it's a personal thing and i know how wise it is not to talk about things but to hold the vision i would like to support you in holding that vision and i would please give me a picture of what the vision once your plan is in place and it's a done deal what does it look like What's the result, I guess? May I ask that question? Well, the result is that, that, is that many, many more people are exposed to these tools. Mm-hmm. And they have easy, ready access and that they have, whether it's through testimonials or a network of support, they've got the motivation to check them out and that these tools are... in it somehow gotten in front of more and more people that's the vision is that in a rather grassroots way we multiply the efforts using the internet using social media using support groups and it began with um you know 8 years ago when I said I'll I'll donate my time one hour a day, five days a week, to make sure that this, what we now call a podcast, this Internet show, has a consistent presentation 
and is there day in and day out. And it hit me last summer that that's not really getting the results I was looking for. So time to leverage marketing tools and public speaking experts, social media websites, etc. And that's what's been in, in the offing. And it led a, a few months ago to making the Thursday support group available on the Internet. So people can either call in and listen or they can call in and have a video presentation. I haven't done that yet. Thank you for that. And that's just, you know, what we're hoping is just the beginning. So that's Thank the you very as, much. As that's far a good answer. Great. I appreciate it, and I look forward to continued uh, report back on what I'm doing, making a difference. Thank you, Linda. appreciate it. Thank you for the call. You're welcome. So we have six minutes, maybe five. Five, six, three. Nine 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 three five eight one. And you have a nine one zero. Hey, Doctor Tim. Susan Darnell in North Carolina, Wilmington. Oh, I thought that was an Irish accent. Go ahead, Susan. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I just want to say congratulations. That was awesome process, and I appreciate your willingness to. be vulnerable and share that with us and show us what it looks like. Um, I'm on the same time schedule as you sleeping. I'm usually uh, waking up doing sheets in the bed. I just got a clipboard um, recently, just got 100 front and back, so I'm ready to go. I just keep it loaded and ready. Um, But, you know, I, I was thinking I didn't have anything to share, and then as I was hearing the callers, I just thought maybe it might be appropriate just to share a little bit about what I found um for myself, it, the way I look at myself and the way I look at the world is um, doing this work um, and asking or talking to any other human being that Ruka lives in is asking Holy Spirit for the support that I need. And if it happens to come through the person standing before me or if it happens to come through the person that I overhear talking at the grocery store, however, I try to explain to people, um, if I say something that's helpful, I'm grateful. And um, I see that as Holy Spirit coming through me. And I always say, you know, I'm just the straw. So don't get, you know, don't give me or the straw or the straw credit. Just know that every good thing comes from above or comes from God or comes from the Spirit within you, uh, the Ruka breath. And that's what I was thinking um, in the coaching world, when anybody asks me, I do my best to say um, the prayer uh, to Ruka to please place my ego aside and allow the spirit to speak through me and allow me to be of service. So I'm thinking with your with your coach, I have been sitting on the sidelines just admiring you and thinking that's what I'm going to do and um, or I want to do. And it's so funny because... Um, when you tell the story, I just have to say that I think that even though that you, you um, as they would say in the South, put your money where your mouth was, 
you actually invested something that in this world we consider a value, which is the green paper, and you have put it out to the universe. This is what I would like to do. And so I just um, stand as Ruka comes through anyone and everyone to be your coach and to show you the way. And everything you've done so far to me looks like it's beautiful. So um, I just wanted to put that out there to the to all of us that the real coach is Holy Spirit, Ruka. She lives inside of us. She's our breath. And I am so grateful to be on this, and I'm so grateful to be here. Look at me. I'm going to cry. So breathe. just know you're, you're a, a, a true inspiration to us all. I'm grateful that this is on, um, <laughs> well, on the audio. Well, remember, although, you, okay, so yeah. remember what you just said. I'm just the straw. The inspiration right. is the nourishment that comes through the straw. Amen. It's beautiful. I think what you say, though, Dr. Tim, and I quote you quite often um, in my classes, is it takes the willingness to take my, my bloated nothingness, and I think Dr. Reisick says this too, out of the way and allow myself to put away everything I think I know and come, as A Course in Miracles says, to be totally empty-handed, empty-headed for Aruka to teach me in each and every moment. And I saw that willingness with you. So I just want to um, namaste, bow to you and to the, the whole team that we're on. Well, uh, I appreciate that. Thank you. And uh, Wave Mastery would talk about it as divine ignorance. You go into it. <laughs> I like it. Understanding that I don't really know what anything is or is for. And I don't understand what my brother or sister needs in this moment. And I don't understand all the lessons that may come from a series of events like this and the various interpretations I throw on it that are connected to past traumatic energies I've downloaded. I don't know they're there because I've been running and hiding from them for decades. So it's only, in my estimation so far, the only thing I've seen that works well so far for me is to be willing to use the tool, to be willing to say, if I've got a physical or a mental or emotional upset, it's self-created. The energy that's generating that is inside me. It didn't come from the outside, and the solution can't come from the outside. So the only reasonable thing for me to do is keep my breath moving. Absolutely. I support you in that. I'll just put it out to anybody who's listening. I'm in, uh, doing a breath session on Sunday here in Wilmington, so for the ones who haven't heard, maybe they'll uh, get in contact with me and come and, and breathe with us. All right, and I'll remind people that tonight is a Thursday, so that means tonight from 6.30 to 9 Central Time, there's another MindShifter support group that's available through Zoom. And you can find out about that at mindshifters-academy.org, O-R-G. Click on the support groups tab. All the information is there. And you can um, also listen to some of those recordings from the archives at, at ch, the number four, cs.com on the audio page there. 
And before I hang up so Michael Rice can tap in, I will just remind us all to try and remember that we come from this energy we call love. We're made of we call love. We are this stuff we call love, the energy of creation. Everything else is false. Have a wonderful, wonderful day. Thank you, everyone. Thank Jeannie, you, take Dr. it away. Tim. All right. Thank you so much. And so while Michael's calling in, I will go ahead and, and uh, announce that you can go to our website, whyagain.org, click on the bullseye, or start here, and you can download worksheets. And uh, there is, for those who have registered for an intensive and are going to be doing the Pay It Forward program with Julie, the worksheet that she uses in the Pay It Forward program is also now on the website. And so you can download that one and you'll be up to speed with her when you're working with her. If you click on schedules on our website, you'll see that Food Fund Forgiveness, we're asking everybody to arrive on May the 30th, and the 16 days begin May the 31st. And then we'll have a couple of days off, and there's a, um, the 16 days ends on June the 15th. There's a couple of days off, and then on Thursday, June the 20th, will be a three-day, and it's three full days, of personal code evaluation training. And the prerequisite to learn how to use that personal code is that you've either attended teacher's training or laws of living, or that you're registered to attend it. So some people will be attending that that are then going to continue on and do the nine-day why and the nine-day teacher's training. But that is a prerequisite for that. And you ask what's personal code evaluation, it is... 162 questions and it's on the computer and you just click mostly true mostly false and it gives us the results of where your greatest challenges are there's 10 areas that it scores and that would be in like stress management love of self love of others nutrition digestion toxicity love for laws of living and then there's 10 areas and so it tells us where your greater challenges are so that we can offer assignments to work in those areas then you take the evaluation again at the end of the intensive and you can see where if you've done your work that you've improved and then following the three day is a nine day why and that goes from June the 23rd to July the 1st. And then that ends on the morning of July 1st. And the evening of July 1st begins teacher's training. And that's a nine-day. Well, I hope everybody enjoyed listening to Dr. Tim's. That was actually pre-recorded from March the 14th, 2019. And so the intensives that I was uh, describing and inviting people to join was the last Intensives that we did at Heartland was in 2019. Michael did one in February of 2020 here in Abingdon, Virginia, but then COVID hit and we haven't done any other live intensives in person. We have done intensives online via Zoom and Michael is actually planning on doing another one in 2023. So you're, if you're interested, it'll either be Laws of Living or Teachers Training and it will be by Zoom. So it'll take probably three hours on a Sunday and then either a Tuesday, Wednesday afterwards, a couple of hours. So five hours a week of your time. And it's very powerful. We've, we weren't real sure how it was going to uh, work out doing it online, but with people doing the personal code evaluations uh, before 
And then after the intensives, uh, it proved to have just as good of results as doing the live in-person intensives. Of course, they last longer, whereas if you were coming to Heartland and doing an intensive, you would be there for anywhere from 9 to 65 days. But uh, doing a, a 7 or a 9-day intensive and only five hours a week, spreading it out, it goes for like 14 weeks. Now, Laws of Living Teachers Training, both are normally an 18-day, let's see, a 17-day uh, intensive. And so that probably would stretch out to be like 20 weeks online, um, somewhere around in there. That will give you an idea of how long. And during online intensives, if you're interested in doing the food program, of course, since we're not fixing meals for you, uh, part of the intensive is that we also have a Facebook page called Healing Through Food. And we have a Trello app that Urate did and did a fabulous job on. And so it gives you, she actually did three meals a day for 14 days and, um, or 14 weeks, excuse me. And so you've got, you know, food planned out. It tells you, you know, what to buy, how to fix it. You've got menus, you've got pictures. It's a fabulous little program that she puts so much effort into, and we thank her for that. And so that comes along with doing an online intensive, so you still can um, stick with a food program, uh, however much, you know, whether you want to go 100% with it or 50% with it or whatever, um, that's up to you. But it's more, you know, on your time. We have seen that people enjoy it because they don't have to take, you know, nine days vacation or whatever, and they don't have to travel. and so they seem to enjoy it better to stay at home in the comfort of their home and spend five hours, five, six hours a week uh, on a Zoom meeting with other people doing the process. And it is an intense process, and we do record it and then send the recordings only to the people that are participating in it. And so, you know, that is an option. If you're interested in any of that, you can drop me a line at Jeannie, J-E-A-N-I-E, at whyagain.org. Uh, if you've got our phone numbers, you can call us uh, or on the website, there's actually a contact page. You can go to contact us and, and it's got our phone numbers and emails and, and links where you can get a hold of us from there. So if you're interested in doing an online Zoom intensive with us, uh, drop a line and let us know. And if you go to whyagain.org and go up to the top, I'm clicking at the same time so that I'm telling you the right places. Uh, near the top, there is schedule, and underneath schedule, you can see um, the intensive brochures, which will explain what uh, intensives, what workshops are covered for the intensives. So you can look at those and, and decide, you know, which, whether the teacher's training or the, um, and with the teacher's training, the why again is a prerequisite of it, like I was saying in, in the pre-recording that Tim was playing. Um, so that or the laws of living, so you can see what's included in those and decide which you might be interested in and then drop us a line and let us know. Also under schedule, there's a free three-hour why workshop that Michael did, and you can click on it and watch the video for the three hours. That's one. Of, that's the latest why again workshop that he's done. And then there's the codependence communication intensive. That's a self-study program. It's 90 hours of um, where we have done, we did two intensives back-to-back. And so it's actually the recordings from those, and it 
you know, we've had a couple of people that participated in that, and they said it's powerful watching the process of the other people and understanding, you know, their questions. And so that information's out there. Then the Global Book Club, that is ongoing. Um, even though they've reached the end of the book, they're going to go where they were doing three chapters at a time every time they met. I think they're only going to do one chapter at a time and go into more depth. So the second and fourth Thursday of every month, Michael participates with the Global Book Club, and they're going through why is this happening to me again and the forgiveness process. There is the mindset. The next one we're going to do is do a, it's going to be a worksheet, Jeannie. Pardon? The next session, the, uh, oh, okay. the second week of January, the second Thursday of January, 3.30 in the afternoon Eastern time, we're going to do a worksheet session. Okay. And then there's the mindset. And then we'll pick up the book from there. And the Mind Shifters and Still Point is the second Saturday of every month. So those things are, are out there and ongoing and, and participate in it. Let us know if you're interested in the either Teacher's Training or Laws of Living by Zoom Intensive for 2023. And the new thing that is out there, it's also under schedule. You can also get to it by clicking on Start Here, and that is that we've created two videos. One helps you to navigate the website. The other helps you to navigate the app. And so we've had a lot of uh, positive feedback on those, that it's helped them to be able to maneuver around. So put those to work, too. And uh, we'd love to hear from you. So I'm going to turn it over to Michael. And if you have a question, our call-in number is 563-999-3581 and press 1. Thank you, dear heart. That was a pretty comprehensive look at uh, at what's going on. And I had talked with Michael early this morning, and he was saying that he was probably going to be on uh, and ready to. He had some questions for me. So is Michael there? Before I launch into anything he else, he's seven seven zero, correct? Correct. But if he You're doesn't have a hand up, maybe he's not prepared to. He does have a hand up. Oh, cool. Well, then let's say hello to the young man. Hi, Michael. How are hey, you? Hey, Michael. I am rocking. I'm doing well. Thank you. Had a wonderful, wonderful. Christmas. Just awesome. Sounding good. And hi, Jeannie. Hey, Michael. We've got sunshine today, and it looks like it's going to warm up in the next day or two. So we can get back to work in the garden. I shared my garden dance with you this morning. <laughs> yes, I say you'd be, be out there and continue the dancing. That'd be great. That'd be great. Actually, one of the things here. that we're doing, you know, we've been working a lot on uh, understanding soil and moving from soil to health and health, whether it's human health or animal health or insect health, one of the things that uh, – that's happening in the world as we've been studying this more and more is that there's been a huge collapse of the insect population in the world. And if the uh, insect population collapses, the food web collapses. So we're seeing the importance of that and recognizing that it's interesting, you know, the plants that here in America, they call weeds. The names oftentimes include the word weed are used for, um, architectural decoration in Europe. But here they're weeds and people mm -hmm. won't touch them. 
and the imports from Asia and China and Europe that come in, we use those for our architectural decoration and avoid anything that's native. And, and this is done for profit, for money. You know, oh, gee, I got this thing from Asia. I can sell it to you for only $80. Yeah, well, we've got something similar here, but it's a native plant. Yeah, well, that's, I can only get $8 for that one. So for a buck, we're collapsing the food web because one of the things I've just been studying and learning is that, um, that insects are very selective, especially pollinators, as to where they can lay their eggs and reproduce and what they can eat like very selective. And as we're getting rid of these native plants, you know, when people build a house and they go in and bulldoze all the native plants and all of the insect life, which we consider an irritant, collapses. But without it, we don't have food. And so one of the things we're looking at, there's a movement going on called a, a private national park. I forget exactly the website, uh, national park, home, homebasednationalpark.com or home national park. And we're actually decided last night that we're going to start building a national park right here on the on our lot, and uh, we're we're looking for the the warmer weather to start uh, moving in that direction and create a small private national park right here. That basically where we're looking at what's what are the native species here that the the butterflies and the bees. I didn't know there were 500 different kinds of bees in America, My. and we thought that we're in trouble. And even greater uh, populations, I can remember being a kid and, you know, there's a light on the front of the house and they're all kind of moths. Some of them are, but you don't see those anymore, at least, at least I don't. And I didn't realize that moths were like a major pollinator and they're disappearing because native plants have just been shredded, just been torn up for, for money and replaced with something from somewhere else in the world, which means wherever it is in the world, their insect population is collapsing while ours is doing the same. So just another piece of the health puzzle that I think is really important. And, you know, healing from the ground up means we really need to take care of our soil and we need native plants that the native pollinators can really exist on and by the way monarch butterflies are beautiful but they're not really pollinators compared to many moths and bees and other things so just a a a piece of information that fits you know extends our conversation from this morning yes thanks uh thanks for sharing that that is uh it's critical and yeah i i appreciate the the thought of the home-based national park. I have to look that one up. That's something very doable for many of us. I put a link in the notes for today, and it's actually homegrownnationalpark.org. Excellent. Thank you. A gentleman named Talamy, and he's got several videos on YouTube that just lay the whole thing out and, and why and what and what's happening. It's It's been his field for over 40 years, and it was just we just came across him doing soil research. I've been working on soil here for a couple of years, but this isn't an arena I had ever thought of or touched into and then came across telling me, and it's like, whoa, does that ever wake us up? Big time wake up. I, remember I should just send the, uh, the link to that to a, a woman we, we work with that um, that's actually writing soil regulations for uh, the state of Illinois and sending that to see if she's if she's put that into her uh, the they came to her to write help like write legislation for what happens with soils and farming so things are changing mm-hmm. and so good and so well needed I remember years back when we talked with someone from 
you know, Eastern Europe, for instance, and they could not understand why we had uh, such desires for green lawns where their lawns were greenhouses and gardens. Yes, exactly. And that goes, yeah, where it goes in many places of the world, not not just Eastern Europe, of course. And that yep. brings to mind my childhood days when we would go to the uh, fields where the cows weren't uh, occupying at the moment and pick dandelions. And right. things that people spend loads and loads and loads of money to get rid of, that whole plant, flower and all, is so edible, so nutritious for us. And that's the first thing I thought about when you were speaking about that earlier. I have an article, and I, I don't know, Jeannie, if maybe you have it, uh, the one that I read in Nature Path, The Keys to Health, about uh, um, the creator asking about what's going on on Earth with all these green patches. If, if you happen to have that, otherwise I'll, I'll get it, and in the next day or two we'll read it. But, uh, yeah, the, this telling me is saying we've got more acres of Lawns in the United States that are totally non-productive and totally destructive to the watershed, totally destructive to insect life, and then sprayed to take it even further. And uh, they're, they're, the lawns in America are more acreage than the top, the, the 10 largest states combined. And wow. so what he's encouraging people to do is to start to not get rid of their lawns because it's kind of, you know, a status symbol. It's a thing people do. But uh, he's encouraging people to shrink their lawns and you know, take a patch and put in something that actually supports, you know, native species of trees and plants and flowers that actually support the native wildlife, the native bees, the native insects. And we can start to individually do a great deal to restore the web. Another, there's some other videos on restoring meadows, building, you know, taking your lawn and turning it into a meadow. And the, the what that does for the whole, you know, you don't have to grow a garden to support the or prevent the collapse of the food web, support it actually growing and expanding, because we're really moving in a direction that's getting pretty dangerous. Mm-hmm. Monocultures, so. that sort of thing, is just crazy. Very much. Interesting. Well, thank An you important for sharing aspect all of that. Health. Yes. Yes. Interesting. Cool. So, what's on your mind today? I had looked uh, more at what you had mentioned last week with uh, Dr. John Sarno's work, tension right. mitosis syndrome. I mitosis believe. syndrome. Mm-hmm. Yep. Amazing. Not a whole lot out there on it. There's some deep, deep papers on it and something I need to look into further. But it's interesting. And what that has brought to mind uh, is chiropractors and, and, and such, you know, the people, body workers in general, that if we have our minds more more correctly grounded to say then people would not be needing to go to the chiropractor every week and so forth would would that be along the same lines of thinking yeah if you listen to some of the uh the you know older shows on the uh mind shifters radio You'll find times when I talked about the fact that we each need to become our own primary health care provider. 
Mm-hmm. Every person, mm-hmm. uh, to me, has an obligation. If they want health, they're not going to get it from people who are in business making money from health. It's just It just isn't what the motivation is. But if you want health, you have to do enough study of the cause of health. You know, the the so-called healing professions, almost every one of them is founded in the study of disease to the point where they've recognized the thing they call the second-year syndrome. By the second year of studying diseases, whether it's schools of psychology, chiropractors, massage therapists, what have you, those who are studying abnormal states start to develop those abnormal states. And when you recognize that this is an energy system and focusing is a creative act that brings those energies into expression, then you start to understand the second-year syndrome. The study of disease is a totally worthless uh, project, but it's good for making money. The study of health is where the real profit is. That is, if you want to profit in terms of your own health. And I think each individual needs to know enough. It doesn't mean they have to be total healthcare providers, but needs to know enough so that if they need the support of a specialist, they know what it is they're looking for and they know that that specialist, if that specialist is giving something that's going to uplift them and take them in direction of health, whether the specialist is going to just do treatment or whether the specialist is engaged in healing. And treatment and healing are two totally different things. Ultimately, we need each to become our own primary health care provider, to know what we, what's going on with us, what we need, and where to go for specialized help if we need it. I think that's really key importance. Beautifully said, beautifully said. And I think I shared with you at one point that I'm so blessed to, to finally come across this work because for years I've known that I've got a few things going on with me that I knew that were not quite right. And, and talking with the average person, they'll say, oh, that's just part of aging or, you know, yeah, you're going when, old. You turn yeah. 40. <laughs> yeah. when you turn 40, that starts yeah. to happen. And oh, when you turn 50, this happens. And, and so in that journey, I, I, you know, started in a conventional medicine family, which many of us do. And, you know, then you find out about functional medicine and holistic medicine and integrative medicine. And I've gone down all these paths and haven't gotten to the bottom where I feel 100% whole. And then the universe brings me in line with this work. So putting it all together now is why I have questions like the chiropractor and things. You'll see people going to this, you know, maintenance chiropractic, for instance. And and you look at John Sarno's work and and this work and, and you know, one related works and say, hmm, are we looking in the wrong place? And we go to well, you know the chiropractor, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, know where the support is needed and make take advantage of it. Use it. Utilize take it. Advantage. And realizing, Jeannie, as your point, is that we do still live on planet Earth, and we haven't ascended yet, so we're going to need need work here and there and on, on the way. That's what I'm thinking at this point. I'm with you 200%. The one, the one mm-hmm. arena that really needs to, people really need to pay attention to, 
and by millions it's just been accepted, is the arena of drugs. And when you recognize that every drug is a disease disguised as a cure, you know, mm-hmm. if you open a package and you look at the insert and it has a list of diseases, they call them side effects, but they're not side effects, they're diseases, then you know you've got something that causes diseases, which, if it has been found to suppress a set of symptoms, has nothing whatsoever to do with healing, although it can be helpful because someone can be locked up and traumatized by symptoms that if they can get past those symptoms for a time period, they can do their healing work. So that's why I lay healing beside treatment. And, you know, so many people put so much faith in the the pills that they take. And if you do a little bit of research, I mean, If there was a politician or a a lawyer or anybody you were going to go through, an investment counselor that you went to for help, and you looked at their record and you found out that they've paid millions of dollars for fraud, would you be going and working with those people? Would you go to an investment (laughs) counselor that you looked up their, their business and they paid $200 million in fines in the last five years? Yeah. For fraud, exactly. you probably wouldn't go there. Yeah. Virtually every drug company has That's millions true. upon millions upon millions upon millions of dollars that they've had to pay in fines for yeah. actions that are out of integrity and for criminal activity. But it's yeah. kept very quiet. Yeah. And of course, when you got a multi-trillion-dollar business, you can buy a lot of mouths to, to keep them shut. Sadly. Yes, and those side effects even include death of the some of these drugs. But again, it's just like I'm not knocking <clears throat> functional medicine or integrated medicine at all. There's possibly a time and place for all of this. And absolutely, like I mean, there's say, a time for the surgeon. Body. Yeah, yeah, there's <clears throat> a time for the drug. There's a time <clears throat> and a place where. Without a drug, you might be dead. It can, a, a drug, no question, especially with an infection, a drug can save a life. But saving a life isn't healing. So if you take the drug to save your life and you do the healing work, you're not going to be back in the, in the same circuit again where six months later you're going to need that drug again and then six months later again, and then you're going to need another drug to cover the symptoms of the drug that you took to cover the symptoms of the drug to cover if you do healing work, then you're going to start to, and, it, and especially if you heal your mind, you're going to start, every time there are a set of symptoms, you're going to start creating health out of the awareness that, oh, there's something I need to do here. The world, as you said, goes, oh, just accept it. That's what happens at the age of 40. And people who do that just go downhill by buying into that mind energy as opposed to, excuse me, I got some symptoms going on. I'm going to do the study it takes to find out why these energetic symptoms are happening in me and what I need to do to clear them out so that everything that is a symptom comes an opportunity to heal. There's a man named Norman Cousins who uh, mm-hmm. actually, I think from two different universities, uh, got a, uh, was given an honorary MD degree. He was given a, uh, a diagnosis, I believe it was heart, that he was going to be dead within a very short period of time. And instead of following the recommendations of the uh, medical profession, what he did is went and rented a hotel room and rented a bunch of Groucho Marx movies and laughed himself back to health. 
His, his action was so profound that a medical institution gave him an honorary medical degree. And one of the things that Norman Cousins says, if I were to give somebody a gift, it would be the gift of a diagnosis of a fatal disease. And then they'd have to take care of themselves for the rest of their lives. In other words, they'd have to become their own primary health care providers. That's how I read what he said. And everybody has mm-hmm. to do that. I mean, ultimately, everybody has to do that. Yes. Just looking and at- there's one person in all of history that was called the great physician. And he, mm-hmm. and he alone, in my awareness, put his finger on cause and gave the solution. But, you know, if you offer people a solution that's going to cost somebody who's got a lot of power billions of dollars, trillions of dollars, they're probably going to use that money to shut you down or turn around what you say. If Yeshua sat in most of churchianity's buildings today, he'd say, that's all Greek to me. Because it doesn't resemble his Aramaic thought at all. You don't get a representation of the Greek physician in Greek translations of his words. It's just not there. But if you go back to the Aramaic, you start to learn what made him the great physician. And he knew exactly how this energy field worked, and he knew exactly how to remove the dis-ease influences in the system. And he gave people a tool. It's called forgiveness. A tool with which you collapse the lies in your mind and you go inside yourself and remove the disintegrative energies, the energies that don't belong. The Greeks turned it around and now today virtually everybody in the world is talking about how, yes, I forgave them, I forgave them, I forgave them, I'll forgive you, yes, I'll forgive you, which has nothing whatsoever to do with forgiveness. It's a Greek act of pardoning substituted for forgiveness. So his core tool has been disappeared and You know, two years ago, the life expectancy in America dropped by over one year. Yes. And I just read a report that in the last year, it's Mm -hmm. dropped another seven months. The life expectancy in America is dropping for the first time in history. Time for a rehearsal. That's an eye-opening. That's, if that doesn't wake us up, I don't know. That's as serious as it gets right there. <clears throat> I'm with Jeez. you. And, Jeez. you know, what I'm getting more and more, which I think I sent you the article, you know, healing from the ground up, yes. a state of health cannot be achieved unless you start with the soil because you can't grow food and dirt. And most of commercial... Farming is done in dirt, not soil. And the difference is dirt is dead. It's purposely killed before anything's planted in it. Soil is alive. And, of course, you can't get life from death. So if you start with dirt, how are you going to get life from something that's dead? If you nurture the soil and you've got actual soil, there's life in it, and from life you get life. And then the extension of that is into taking care of the soil, making sure those native plants are there so the insects are there so the pollination happens. And, you know, there's, I mean, the whole food web depends on that. And we've talked about them and treated them as pests to be killed, the plants as weeds to be destroyed. And with no idea, you know, the Lion King gave us a wonderful song about the circle of life. Most people haven't even started to comprehend the circle of life yet, and it starts in the soil. 
and we need the insects to survive. Yes. So I invite so everybody to start park. a national park. Start well, to shrink your lawn. Doesn't mean you have to get rid of the whole thing, but start to shrink it. We decided just last night on a an area there's there's one side of the lot and we're gonna create a strip of land that we start at least start with these native plants and start bringing forward uh, something that really supports the insect life that is so desperately needed. Mm-hmm. Yes, even, even if we start with a um, you know a little grow box right outside the por- on the porch or something small and just grow something. Absolutely, people people in apartments can take their their uh, the deck on the apartment and have a just a planter with some native plants. And you know that's one of the points that Telemi made in the video we watched last night is uh, is those pollinators will show up on in the middle of the city. I mean he he used a couple of examples of where there are like large box stores who are catching on to this. And uh, and they're starting to plant native plants. Uh, he made the point. He showed some uh, uh, an elevated rail system in Manhattan, the middle of the city, and they're getting pollinators back because they're starting to put native plants along this uh, elevated uh, railway. So you know it can be done anywhere, and you know we don't have to wait for government to fix it for us. Uh, we need to wake up and start to take action as individuals and understand mm-hmm. the process. And that's part of being holy, holistic, meaning every level. You, know, you can be all the prayer and all the holiness you want, but if you don't take care of your soil, life is not going to go well. Mm-hmm. Well, we got some so that's do, probably not the direction... You were thinking of the conversation going today, so I took it in one direction, and I'm delighted if you're uh, if you're ready to, to to take another direction with some of the thoughts you had. Yes, or continue I, I on this like event. I'd like to con- continue. So to me, it's all related. It's all beautiful. It's all part of the system. <clears throat> and <clears throat> so happy to learn about these these parks. So moving ahead. I would like to go down the road of reprogramming subconscious and things that I have heard before I came across this work, listening to people like Bruce Lipton and and there's many others that speak on this, how we need to reprogram the subconscious. And I'm wondering, Michael, your thoughts on that and how that relates to the work of first century Aramaic forgiveness, how it's related, the, okay. the nuances between both programs. Just love to hear what, uh, what you think on that, please. Well, the first thought that comes to mind, back about oh, 25 years ago, I keynoted at a healing symposium at Unity Village in Kansas City. And there was a medical doctor there, Larry Dossey. Oh, yes. And he and I were, were uh, co-hosting or, or keynoting this healing symposium. It's a three- or four-day event. And Larry wrote a book and did some research in the hospitals on prayer. Now, I would change that from the Aramaic on petitioning God. And one of the things that they showed in hospital settings, you know, they did controlled research 
And one of the things they showed was that the key was undirected prayer. In Aramaic, means to set a trap for God, literally to become a, 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 an energetic space that captures the active presence of love and brings into the world. So I wouldn't go along with the Greek idea of it being prayer, but petitioning, asking for a result. And what they showed in this controlled research is when you asked for an, essentially the highest and best for someone rather than fix Charlie's liver, Oh, Mary's got a problem with her shoulder. Fix her shoulder. Oh, Joe's got a, a tumor in his brain. Fix the tumor. Those kind of requests didn't produce results. What produced results was non-directed prayer. So here's my take on anybody that tells you they're going to reprogram your subconscious mind. First of all, you wouldn't be reprogramming the subconscious. It would be the unconscious. And I love Bruce Lipton's work, but that's a place where I disagree with him. So mm -hmm. I don't know how to program your conscious, subconscious, or unconscious mind, and you sure don't know how to do mine. So who are we going to go to that can direct us as to what should be done? No. The ancients said trans-end. Each, you know, I haven't met, I can say I haven't met anybody who isn't living to some degree in this world in a state of trance. So if you've got somebody in a trance that's trying to fix somebody else's trance, what do you get? You get another round of problems. I know that I did a course back, oh, probably 45 years ago in Atlanta. And part of this course was to do healing on people. And so the direction was, you know, this was like, partway through the course, maybe halfway through the course, and the direction was, well, bring in the names of people in your life that need healing, and then we'll bring them into the circle and we'll heal them. And that's when I quit that course. It's like, you think you know what this person's needs and you're going to heal them? Thank you, but I'll pass. Transcend is to get out of the state of hypnosis, not to give somebody a new hypnotic program. So I've studied hypnosis. I've worked with hypnosis for a while. I thought that's where the answer was. That goes back 40-plus years ago. It's not where the answer is. Now, you can get some benefits from it. You know, if you've got somebody with a trauma and you've got somebody with some smarts, it might help them to work a trauma out. The next level of that is just another state of trance where Yeshua offered forgiveness, which was the removal, the accessing and the removal of what doesn't belong and leave the healing process, become engaged in the practice of connecting to and functioning as conscious, active, present love, and the healing, leave the healing to love, not to your mind, not to your thoughts, not to you trying to figure it out. And as far as subconscious, unconscious, there's a great deal of misunderstanding, even in the professional world. You'll hear lots of people talking about the subconscious mind when they really mean the unconscious. The subconscious needs no, no reprogramming. So, so let's look at what the mind is. So many people talk about you've got, you know, they've, they've got this mind and that mind, the subconscious, the unconscious, the conscious. They made it up. They lost it as if there are many different minds. No. There are basically two minds would be my offering. One, in the ancient teachings, there was what was called the mind of love or the mind of Christ, which is in us and available to us. But most of us get stuck in the mind of hostility and fear. So that would be the second mind. And that second mind 
is a function, I would offer, of our cellular structure, of our energetic structure, this body-mind unit. There are three levels of function. And it's all got to do with the amplitude at which content in brain cells is firing. There are some brain cells you have and everybody else in the, that's on this show has, or probably has, and I'm going to fire them right now. If those brain cells are in your subconscious mind, then my voice setting up the frequency, you know, I got this little flap of skin in my throat, and I bring out these sounds that we call words. There's no such thing as a word. It's just a movement of a flap of skin in your throat. And that flap of skin, there's a little microphone in front of my face, a little ceramic thing that vibrates in response to those air molecules moving, much like the eardrum does. It's picked up, goes through an electrical circuit, gets transmitted to Texas from here I am in, uh, in Bristol, Virginia, and it goes through this uh, radio station in uh, New Jersey and ends up presenting itself as air molecules vibrating in your ear. So if you have brain cells for what I'm about to say, then through resonance, through that vibration, those brain cells will fire if it's subconscious information. So I'm going to just take an offhanded, don't think about the color of your car, if you would, for a moment. Would you please not think about the color of your car? Now, through resonance, and there's no choice about it, what moves in everybody's mind? Something about the color of the car. (laughs) There'll be people who'll say, well, I'm not thinking about it. Oh, really? What is it you're not thinking about? In order not to think about it, what did you have to do? You had to do what we call think about it. Now, it's not really thinking at all, but the energy moves in response to resonance. Now, if I were to present a thought that represents something you've hidden from yourself, something you've dissociated from, then I'd be looking to resonate something in the unconscious. Conscious and subconscious are constantly changing places. What I'm conscious of is what's firing in brain cells at the highest amplitude. What's the color of my car? What's the front door of your house look like? What's your favorite item of clothing? What's your favorite food? Now, notice that the color of your car isn't moving in awareness anymore. So it's the amplitude of the content of brain cells at which those brain cells are firing that makes the difference between conscious and subconscious. So anything that's in the subconscious we can access at will, all we have to do is present the right frequency and it will pop to the surface. Now, I'm going to resonate something in your unconscious. And so I'm going to ask you to just observe yourself. Everybody's listening. Observe yourself very closely. So my question is, what is it in your life that in order to heal the deepest trauma you're holding, you need to heal? What is it you need to look at and deal with? Notice what's happening with your breath. Did you notice anything? Immediately stopped. Stopped. When the, the, we are not designed to have an unconscious mind, is my offering. But when we're in denial, when we belong to the one world religion of blame, you know, Charlie made me mad, Bill made me mad, Harry made me mad, it's all Terry's fault, it's all, you know, Hortense's fault. If I live in the one world religion of blame, then everything that moves in me that I don't want to own or be responsible for, I dissociate from in order to pretend that somebody else is the problem. And so I create a veil in this temple, 
a barrier between the subconscious and the unconscious, and I create an unnatural condition. You remember in the ancient scriptures, they said the veil of the temple must be rent in twain. This barrier has to be born and torn in two. And it's not a purple curtain in the church. Your body-mind unit is the temple. There is nothing in you that should be unconscious, that should be hidden from you. And if you hide it from yourself, especially if you hide it with something like, let's say, fear, you know, Job gave us a wonderful lesson a few thousand years ago. He finally, after all his healing crisis, went, oh, I got it. That which I feared most has come upon me. If you remember, you go back and read Job, and what was it? Job was an upright man. He was like he was rocking, but he had a fear that his children weren't going to be as good as he was. And that's what set up his whole trauma. That which I feared most has come upon me. So when I go into denial and I want to blame something outside of me for what's happening inside of me, I hold the breath and that creates a barrier. And now there's something in me that I have no contact with. Subconscious, I can contact anytime. All I have to do is fire the brain cells. There's where, for instance, the mind shifter comes in. If you use a mind shifter tool that we've, you know, we've presented often on the show, and I think you've been introduced to it, you take a thought, and a, a mind shifter is a thought about an issue in your life in which you have, around which you have negative or unconscious content. And through resonance, it's the opportunity to surface, process, and release the unconscious content. So when you write a mind shifter, and the way people use a mind shifter is on the left-hand side of the page, you write the mind shifter, and on the right-hand side of the page, you write everything that comes up in response to it. And when you do that, each time you write the mind shifter, you create an energy that resonates what you've hidden from yourself. And each time you write it, you resonate those hidden brain cells, and as you resonate them, the energetic pattern from them becomes stronger and stronger until it breaks through the veil of the temple and you become aware of it. I got a, a text. I'm just going back to a mind shift that I gave to somebody yesterday. There's somebody that I've has done my work for the last, oh, 30-some years, but has never hung around. The first few years he hung around a fair bit, but then he kind of disappeared and he's gone off and done this and that and that and that. And, and the other day I got a uh, a text from him complaining about, you know, we're going to world war and there are all these gurus around and they don't help. And, you know, and he's, he's in his power person dynamic of negativity. So I gave him a mind shifter to work with. And here's the mind shifter. It just seems that maybe this would be appropriate. Maybe this is why this came up yesterday and is we're having this conversation. And anybody who might has seen anything like what I'm just talking about might want to just get your pen out. I'll give you a second, and we'll give you this mind shifter. And so I invite you to write this down, split the page, put a line down in the middle of the page, write this on the left. And then what you do is you write that mind shifter and then on the right-hand side of the page, you write anything that comes up in response to it. Now, you might write one word or a sentence, or you might write 10 pages. When you run out of things to write, you mind, write the mind shifter again. Nothing may move. You write it again. You, write, you might write it 100 times, and then finally, bingo, that veil starts to open, and things start to break through, and you're in touch with what's, what's hiding. So here's the mind shifter if you've got, if you've got your pens ready for those who, who are interested in it. Every destructive expression of hostility and fear in the world 
reminds me to stay connected with the only obligation I have to be one with my source, my true being, love. So every destructive expression of hostility and fear in the world reminds me to stay connected with the only obligation I have to function out of love, my true being, the source. And so there's a tool, and if that resonates something for you, if you've noticed yourself, as I was saying, it, holding your breath, and I'm talking to anybody that's listening, not necessarily to you, Michael, that you take mm-hmm. that and start writing it. And I suggest that if you're going to use a mind shifter, that you spend at least... If it, if it, your sense is it's an important issue, you spend at least three hours in your own space, phones off, you know, a, a thousand things will come in to disturb it. We're so powerful. I remember working with a medical doctor out in, in California, and we were doing a weekend workshop. He'd come to it, and he wanted the experience of being so deeply. I mean, he was strong, powerfully intellectual, very successful doctor at several practices. He actually brought it, when he touched into the forgiveness work, he brought us out to speak in his medical centers to teach forgiveness. And he started a support group and worked with it. But during this particular intensive, and it's like he just like wanted it, wanted it, wanted it so much. And he had a mind shifter and he's writing it. And we always use a mind shifter just before we go into the still point breathing process. And when you've breathed enough people, you you know when somebody's getting ready for that veil to open and they're getting ready to go to the next level, to the next deeper experience of being. And he's right on the edge of it. I'm doing energy field work on him, and he's just like... You can, you, when you've worked with it, you can see the breath, how it's moving in the body, and when that veil is just going to crack and open. And he's like just right, right there on the edge. And the other room was his phone, and he had an alarm on, and they, like the instant he got to that, his phone rang took him right out of it. Mm-hmm. I used to have a private practice in South Florida, Unity Center, and there was an office in the back that they gave to me. It was private, and I worked there for three or four years. And when I was in the office, everybody knew it, and nobody ever came to the door. And I remember working with a fellow who, his issue, his we got down to, we did a couple of sessions, we got down to his core issue, and his core issue was no matter what happens, I always get interrupted. And his interruption was his block to dealing with his relationship with his father. So he writes a mind shifter. We're in the middle of a still point session. We're breathing away. And once again, he's right on the cusp, but he's right on the edge of it. And all of a sudden, there's a knock just like that on my office door. I mean, he is literally right, just like this doctor was, right on the cusp of right there with his dad, ready to deal with it. He's totally taken out of it. 
There's a woman who does cleaning at the at the Unity Center down there. She volunteers, and she was sweeping in the in the the classroom, and somebody told her that I was wanted on the phone. And at that very instant, she came and knocked on the door where he was right in, like he's ready to go face-to-face with dad and process literally this lifetime trauma. So the avoidance, the things we can do to avoid are just amazing. So when people do a mind shifter, I suggest you take a, a time period and you set it aside and make sure you're totally in your own space so that if that moment comes where you're really at the cusp of it, you move right through it. It's it's just so powerful. And there is a, a listing, there's a, a worksheet on the website which has three sections of mind shifters in it. It's something I developed oh, 40 years ago and have used in intensives and with individuals in private practice for the last 40 years. You can go to there. Before you do, though, if you're ready to look at some issues in your life, what I suggest you do is you start out and you write two numbers down. The first number, and I'll invite everybody who's, you know, if this conversation's making sense for you, write a number, the first one that comes to mind, between one and three, either one, two, or three. Write that down. And then a second number from 1 to 13. So you've got two numbers in front of you. One of them is from the grouping 1 to 3, and the second number is from the grouping of 1 to 13. Go download that sheet, print it off, or you can just do it on on your computer. You don't have to necessarily print it off, but you can save it to your computer. Now, what you'll find there is there are three sections of mind shifters, section 1, section 2, section 3. And there are 13 mind shifters in each section. Now, for 40 years, I've used a system of, I I start out and ask Ruka to guide each individual to the right mind shifter for them. And it's it's hilarious in an intensive, you know, usually we don't get to uh, the mind shifters and still point breathing section of the intensive until, you know, usually day four or five, maybe even day six. So people have gotten to kind of know each other and, and know each other's issues. And it's hilarious when, when I use this numbering system because people will, you know, call out their numbers. I'll read their mind shifter and everybody will laugh and go, well, that's what you just said two minutes ago. That's the issue. That, and, and I mean, everybody, it just goes right to the core. So I suggest you take those two numbers, download the mind shifters list, and then, you know, if you're in section two, go to two. And if your number is number 11, then go to 211, and that's the mind shifter to work with, as we described earlier. In the um, monthly, you know, we've been doing a monthly mind shifters and still quit breathing now for almost a year. And we have what I call the ever-expanding mind shifters list and people who participate in that. I think we're up to, what, 14 sections in that now, Jeannie? So, so when we do now, when we do a uh, the monthly mind shifters and still point breathing group, I'll ask them to write a number from one to fourteen, and then a number from one to thirteen. And so the first number will take them to which section, and we've got things like you know dealing with relationships and abundance and eternal life and you know all kind. There, there are fourteen different topics, and each month we add another group of mind shifters, so it's expanding and gives people a broader. Uh, field to pick from in terms of where their work is. 
So the only difference between the conscious, subconscious, and unconscious mind is the amplitude at which those brain cells are firing. You know, if I have a radio over here and I've got it turned up and I'm listening to, you know, my favorite song, that's what I'm conscious of. If I turn the volume down to zero, it's still tuned. That particular song's still playing within the radio, but I'm not hearing a thing. So that would be like conscious and subconscious. If I leave the radio tuned right where it is, but I turn the power off, the tuning mechanism's still there. The energy of the song that was coming through the air that's playing through the radio is still there but the power is gone and that would be like the unconscious. I can't access it. Virtually every tool we've got is designed to assist people in accessing the unconscious dynamics, the things that they've dissociated from that literally are energetically locked into tissue and are the cause of literally every so-called physical, mental, emotional, or spiritual disease that people have. And accessing and forgiving it is the master healers you know, the master physician's mechanism. He says, you must forgive from your heart the wrongs of your brother. In other words, if, if you're in a state of denial and dissociation, you have an unconscious mind, there's something of a diseased nature within your unconscious mind which is impacting and destroying your tissue structure if it's there. And the way that you creator set the universe up is through resonance. If I hold that somewhere in tissue and boy, the harder I push it down, the harder I push it out into the world, somebody through resonance is going to respond and show up and play that out with me. And when they do, I'll do one of two things. I'll stay in the one world religion of blame. I'll stay in denial. I'll blame them. Look what you've done to me. You made me feel so bad. Or I'll stop and go, hmm. This feeling that you just resonated with me in me is something I've felt 87 different times with 42 different people, and all 42 times I blamed somebody else. This is number 43. I'm going to take responsibility for this. Thank you for resonating this in me. I didn't even know it was here. And now life has acted like a mind shifter. It's resonated what we're not wanting to look at. And that's uh, my offering is that as long as people hold anything in their dissociated minds, the highest purpose of life is to kick us right square in the limitation. Life's going to keep honing in when people say, why is this happening to me again? Why are all people the same? No, all people aren't the same. Your perceptions are coming from the unresolved place in your own unconscious mind. And you need to open that veil. You don't want to create a positive belief system out of it. And that video you showed me, I watched through the whole thing. It's good stuff. And basically, he's talking about thought disorders. But instead of removing the energetic emphasis in the unconscious and accessing it, he's using the conscious mind to distract, to create another program, which is a big step up, you know, from, from suffering with something. That every time some suffering occurs, and that's the focal point of his work, and it comes out of Buddhism, every time the suffering occurs, you just shift your mind to something else. You make something pleasant up about it, and you avoid that. Yeshua's solution wasn't that. It was you go headlong into it, and you go into your own unconscious, and whatever's there that you're putting into your brain's image of your brother, the wrongs, what you think are the wrongs of your brother, you now go into your own unconscious, your own heart, which is what it was called in the ancient scriptures, 
and you remove that energy, and guess what? Your disease goes away mm. because it was that disease energy that's creating the disease perception that seems to be about your brother, but really is about the content of our own minds. And when we get to look at it and open the veil of the temple, we remove what doesn't belong from the unconscious. It's not about reprogramming it. It's not about somebody smart enough to figure out what you need. There's only one that's smart enough to figure out what you need, and that was called Ruka Dukudja. She who undoes the effects of errors and teaches us the truth. That's the other component of the, the master physician's strategy for healing. Mm-hmm. And there's nowhere else I know of that it's come about in the world. There's, there are lots of misinterpretations of it, lots of, uh, of Greek mythology projected into it. But that's the core of what, for me, I received from decades of working with the Aramaic teachings of Yeshua, getting to his mm-hmm. first century words and understanding what he actually meant in that context. Wow, thank you, Michael. Can we say then that these other programs that are out in the world, they may be well-meaning, but what I'm understanding... Oh, absolutely. Yeah, they will will help, but they're not getting to the root of our issue. Core. Exactly. I I mean, I listened to that fellow, his whole presentation, and I get that he is a sweet man, a sweetheart, and is... 2,000% 2,000% concerned with people and getting what he's learned into people's mm-hmm. hands. And again, over the, the standard way of living in the world, that's a huge improvement, but it's still not getting to opening the veil of the temple, accessing the unconscious dynamic, and removing it from the storage space, which is tissue. The mind functions through every cell in the body. There's only one disease. There, you know, medicine has got the ABC disease, the XYZ disease. That, you know, the only disease is there's an energy. In the ancient Aramaic, it was described as sin, which, again, is the archery term that means off the mark. The only disease is there's this energy that's off the mark stored somewhere in tissue. And when they said the wages of sin is death, that wasn't a theological threat. They were just saying, here's how it works. You put enough disintegrative energy or sin into that tissue, and that tissue is going to break down. If it's an important organ, you're going to die as a result of it, is in essence what he's saying. So when you open the veil and you access those energetic dynamics, so if, if this disintegrative energy is in you know, the, the big toe, somebody's going to have the big toe disease. If it's in the kneecap, they're going to have the kneecap disease. If it's in the heart, the liver, the lung, or the brain, they're going to have the heart, the liver, the lung, brain disease, and they're going to have big, long Latin names to describe them, and they're going to have very, very, you know, the more important the organ is, very expensive drugs to suppress, to shut that energy back down so it's hidden. But that's not healing, that's treatment. Again, there's a place for it. Man, if somebody's suffering to the point where they can't even put two thoughts together, they're in so much pain, God, give them a drug, give them pain relief, and then give them a worksheet so they can start to work through what's at the root of their pain. Yes, this is, this is amazing. Well, Michael, just to recap on the mind shifter, that helps break uh, through the veil. Is that correct? Well, what it does... So, so the veil is built by the breath. It's like a barrier. And one of the reminders we'll have with people when they're doing the mind shifter is to breathe. 
And so what happens is through repetition, each, you know, if I've got something hidden in my heart and I pick the right mind shifter and I start to write that mind shifter, it's going to start to move what's in my heart. Like, for instance, this guy that, that I said contacted me the other day, it was like, you know, he believes we're heading toward world war and, you know, and the problem is all those people out there and that's why he's in pain. It's like, excuse me? You know something, my friend? I've known this fellow yesterday. I've known you for, well, let's see, back in, in Fort Lauderdale. He was a, a regular student in Fort Lauderdale. So that goes back. My son was about two. He's now 43. So that goes back 39 or 40 years ago. And guess what this guy was whining and complaining about 40 years ago? How those people out there are doing it to him, how it's all their fault. Oh, wow. It's like at what point do you stop and go, hmm, I've been through this 87 different times with 42 different people. Maybe it isn't about the, them. Maybe it's about the power person message that I got. And maybe I need to access that which is hidden in my heart and my unconscious. So now, instead of going, oh, look at that hostility and fear in the world trying to harm me, now he starts mm-hmm. to move into, oh, there's hostility or fear in the world, and it's resonating something in me, so there must be hostility or fear for me to clean up. Ah, so now I'm going to stay connected to love and clean up my hostility or fear. Guess what? If his disease is in the big toe, the lung, the liver, the heart, or the brain, his disease is going to disappear from his big toe, his lung, his liver, his heart, or his brain. Just what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. So it's about accessing those things, breathing in the presence of them. And then, you know, somebody does a three-hour session with that, and so they've got maybe 20 pages written out. So now get conscious, go back and go over that, and look at each thing you've written. Oh, geez, I never, I had no, I had no awareness. That. Boy, that one's a new one. Geez, I never thought of that. Oh, yeah, that's what used to happen with my dad. Oh, that was something, boom, 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 And so you go through and you look at everything you've written and determine which tool you're going to use. Oh, that one needs a worksheet. I'm going to use a commit with that. I'm going to go to the codependence worksheet with that. Oh, this one's going to take some responsibility communication. So you look, get conscious, you step back, become the thinker apart from the thought, the feeler apart from the feelings, the actor apart from the actions, and you start to observe yourself and look at what that is that you really need to look at and then determine which of the tools you're going to use to clean it up. Mm -hmm. This has been amazing, Michael. Thank you. Honored and delighted. I appreciate your questions because you always draw out the best. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you and you, Susan uh, are awesome like that. <laughs> thank you both very much. This, uh, this is Honored and delighted. And we'll to. look forward to <laughs> Say again? This will be one to listen to several times. Yeah, there's probably a, a few a few gems in there, and uh, we're down to what the last 10 seconds, so the show's going to cut us off, and I'll just say thanks for the questions, thanks for the conversation and stimulation, and everybody, create the best year yet of your eternal life. It's an awesome gift to give the world, holding each of you in a blessing. Take care. Bye-bye.